Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, they have power over here, no problem. But they do not have media rights power. You heard? Congratulations, Naz. First of all, the question everybody wants to know the answer to, why was this such an ugly fight? Yeah, it's true. I've got earth devastating power, like, you know, I'm heading beyond this earth, like, my power crush old feelings, crush old world. What are you feeling right now? Uh, hold on, man. Hey, Dad, brush my hair one time. Hey, Pop, come brush my hair. Welcome to another episode of Tough Talk. As always, I'm your host, Lucas Biggers. Alongside me will be Jules and Robert. What's going on, guys? What's up, y'all? What's going on, fellas? Great weekend for boxing. Um, We're going to get into the thick of things here in a minute, but we're going to work our way up. Uh, Javante Davis, impressive win um, over Cellular, however you want to say it. (laughs) But... um, did did we see enough to say he's ready for Lomachenko? Take it away. Well, that's interesting because I thought I thought we did. Um, I thought based on what Floyd said last time that that was pretty much a done deal. And then after the fight, Jim Gray sister says uh, pretty much it's not going to happen. So I'm a little confused about that. I feel like he's more than ready for Lomachenko. I feel like it'd be a great fight. And I think that we've seen or witnessed, you know, the the next coming of Floyd Mayweather. Well, before I touch on the next coming of Floyd Mayweather subject, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but it may also be a political thing. Of course, we have um, a Showtime fighter in Javante Davis. Then we have an HBO fighter in Vasil Lomachenko. Um, or I'm sorry, not even HBO. That, that's ESPN. I'm gonna correct myself. That's I'm sorry. That's ESPN. Well, I think with a Showtime. I think so it's maybe a little hard to to work out the uh, logistics. But what were you saying, Rob? I mean, I think that's the issue because not only is Bob Arum versus Floyd, and we all know the history between Floyd and Bob Arum. So I think that's really what they're talking about mostly. I mean, they made Pacquiao um, Floyd happy to make so much money. Why not? Why not make another fight? Yeah, I I don't understand it. I mean, I guess you try to keep everything in house. Um, if you notice, most of them do do that. I mean, try to top rank fights in house fighters if possible. Um, only option really is the the big fights is when they branch out. Golovkin, um, Canelo, they were branching out and, and doing um, you know cooperative work, but it's uh, something you don't see a lot in boxing, unfortunately. You know they say the the Cold War that we used to talk about uh, had ended. Maybe it has, but it's it's still alive and well. It's not something that happens uh, too often. Now, right. Next Floyd Mayweather, Rob, you're going to have to talk a little bit deeper on that. 
Just look at it. I mean, just just look at the performance and, and what they were saying. His hand speed. Uh, his hand speed, it, it mirrors Floyd, really. I haven't seen a boxer that quick and, and throwing punches and combinations and everything that fast since Floyd Mayweather. Now, now the defense, you know, don't get me wrong, Floyd's defense is one of a kind. Um, I don't think Tank's defense is where Floyd was at in the game, but, I mean, his offense certainly is. Like I said, the hand speed alone was impressive to me. And he wasn't fighting a, uh, he wasn't fighting a slouch. You know, Cellular is a good fighter. He, he fought, um... He had a good run there. He fought and lost to Mares, of course. But he fought Mares valiantly. And Mares wasn't able to get him out the way Tank did. And Tank's only 23. Mares is much older than that at a much uh, higher level, at least people say. And Tank was able to get him out within, you know, within three. Okay, but you're not definitely grabbing... Uh, him as the next leg mover as far as his defensive skills. Defensively, I don't think we'll ever see a fighter as defensively skilled as Floyd. Um, and and that's a good thing, being as that was his Achilles heel in far, as far as um, people not giving him enough credit for being a great boxer because of the power, or they said the lack thereof power. But as far as power goes, I've always said it, the, the more accurate you are with those punches, the more powerful to me you are, especially with the hand speed, because you can knock a guy out just on accuracy alone. And that's what Tank provides, just like Floyd did. As far as the defense goes, we haven't seen it yet, because he does take more punches than Floyd would have, you know, would have even in this fight. He takes more punches, but it doesn't seem to affect him there either. So, you know, well, I, I think I think he could be just as good as Floyd in, in the aspect at least. I, I think, Rob, one of the things that you touched on in terms of the defensive uh, aspect of, of Tank is that, um, you know, Floyd Mayweather was raised on defense. You know, he was raised on, uh, you know, having that Philly shell and having that shoulder roll. He was he was raised on that. Even even as he was as Pretty Boy Floyd, you know what I mean. Granted, he was more offensive as Pretty Boy Floyd, but he still showed uh, that that defensive game. Obviously, we know as he got older, he realized, you know what, in order for me to have a longer career and for me not to obviously injure my hands, I have to be more defensive defensive minded. But on the flip side, you know, with Tank, Tank wasn't raised with that Floyd Mayweather, you know, Philly shell that the Mayweathers are are known for. So that's the reason why Tank is obviously more uh, offensive-minded. But it's a very good point that you make in terms of, uh, you know, Tank being as accurate and as sharp as as Floyd Mayweather. I'm actually going to go and say that in terms of uh, the way he throws punches, he definitely throws more power shots. Um than Floyd Mayweather has done in his career, you know, obviously in his prime, but obviously that's probably due to his hand problems. But I will say this, Floyd, even as Pretty Boy Floyd, always had that razor-sharp accuracy. And as much as I, I think Tank has that speed and that, that punching power, he still has to work on being more precise 
with his punches because, you know, he still has the tendency to throw haymakers and expend a lot of energy. And that's what's going to be his downfall if he's to fight somebody like Lomachenko. You know what I mean? He can't expend all this energy, and he's missing a guy who, you know, is always using angles and things of that nature, and then he gets tired. And that's what they got to work on. I'm actually not in favor um, of him fighting uh, Lomachenko right now, even though he has the power and he definitely has the speed. I feel like he doesn't have uh, the ability that the veterans, like you said, like Floyd, they know how to pick their shots. I feel like he's he's still learning that. Well, I would agree with you. It, it per se, a fight or two ago, I would even say three fights ago, um, even his last fight, Tank, Tank threw a lot of haymakers. He had an issue with that. But his poise, you have to look at his poise in this fight with Cellular. He did pick his shots greatly. He did pick his shots at the right time. You know, the difference between Tank and all these other fighters coming up, um, Floyd aside, you know, the, the attributes in comparison to Floyd aside, but all the other fighters, the difference is, is this kid knows what shot to throw at the right time and at the right spot to get you in trouble. Hence the body shots that, that drop cellular. When Absolutely. When was the last time you seen the guy throw a um, accurate shot to the body like that to land it in the right spot several times to put a guy down with one body shot? And we haven't seen that since um, modern-day, you know, uh, modern-day Kodo. Kodo used to be able to do stuff like that. And these are legends we're talking about comparing a kid that's 23 years old. Oh, no, of course. And, and I'm not saying that um, he expends too much energy or doesn't know how to pick his shots. But I'm saying is that, you know, let, let's also, you know, be frank about Cellular and Lomachenko. Those are two totally different fighters. You know what I mean? As much as I give Cellular a lot of credit for having grit and a lot of heart, he doesn't move at all. He doesn't have that lateral movement that Lomachenko has. He doesn't have that, that footwork that Lomachenko has. I mean, for God's sakes, this was a man who took ballet and danced when he was a kid <laughs> to really understand the intricacies of footwork, and he's translated that very well to boxing. And that's my whole thing. My whole thing is, you know, with Tank, a, a guy like Lomachenko who's, who has phenomenal footwork, that's really what it is. Defensively, granted, he's defensively sound, but it's his footwork that makes him a defensive genius. You think he, all of a sudden he's in front of you, he's boxing in front of you, next thing you know he's on the side. And that, what I feel is that, well, you know, with Tank, he's going to be against something that he's never seen before. You know, a guy who uses footwork as his defense. Okay. You're correct. Uh, I completely agree I, with, with Jules here, Rob. I mean, I, I think he's not ready right now. I think he can be eventually, and I think it can be a great fight. I think it needs to marinate a little bit, um, which you, you don't hear me say often. But uh, Gervonta doesn't have near the experience that Lomachenko has. Um, so once he comes up and doesn't learn to get as frustrated, throw some wild punches, he's going to wear himself out with a guy like Lomachenko. He's going to gas out early, and then it's just going to be picked apart from there. Um, but with some seasoning, I think Gervonta Davis can be a little bit smarter in the in there and be a future pound-for-pound fighter. Which is Most true. Definitely. As a matter of fact, I would like to see uh, Javante go against Mares, personally speaking. 
Like that's a fight that I would right, love. And right now, that fight, and right now, that that's a better fight for him, I think. Yeah, I agree 100. percent It's a guy who is a veteran, and I, once again, I'm not saying that Cellular Dick couldn't test Tank, but I feel like Marez can really, really test, um, can 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 test uh, Tank, and to a certain extent, you know, maybe Santa Cruz. I mean, who knows what Santa Cruz is doing right now? But I feel like Amadez or Santa Cruz are two guys who can really, really give uh, uh, Tank um, uh, run for his money. As a matter of fact, if Tank runs through Amadez or Santa Cruz, like runs through them, I could say, you know what, it's time for him to fight Lomachenko. Which is funny that you said that because that's honestly what I thought would be a better fight as as far as, you know, a, a better fight than him just going right after Lomachenko. But I honestly believe he'll walk through Marez. I honestly believe he'll walk through Santa Cruz. He'll walk through Frampton. I think he's ready for Lomachenko right now. And I also still go behind the fact that everybody is sitting there um, boasting up this guy, Lomachenko, for no apparent reason. He, he has more experience than Tank, maybe, but not that much, in my opinion. He hasn't, Tank has fought more fights at a pro level than Lomachenko has. Amateur aside, yes, he's a great amateur. We'll give him that. But pro, Tank has more fights under his belt at a pro than Lomachenko does. Yeah, but Rob, uh, we also have to realize that when it comes to the level of competition Lomachenko has faced since he's become a pro, I mean... How many fights does Lomachenko have? What, 10? And I would say he's probably fought maybe like eight Hall of Famers right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's actually unheard of so early in his career to fight these guys, these really, really tough seasoned veterans so early in his career. And also, I mean, in terms of his amateur background, let me tell you something. I used to be the same way as you, Rob. I used to be like, ah, amateur background, so what, so what. But then... Emmanuel Stewart, he rest in peace, would always talk about the importance of an amateur background, the importance of amateur boxing. And I didn't realize the importance of amateur boxing, or rather appreciate it, until I saw guys like Lomachenko, Andre Ward, you know, going back to Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, guys who really perfected their craft in the amateurs. Because the reality is this, when you, when you have that many fights as an amateur, there's nobody. There's nothing that you cannot prepare for. It's like an internship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's literally like an internship. When you have 300 something fights and you want two gold medals, there is nothing besides steroids that you can you are not prepared for in a professional bout. And I think that's the only thing. To be honest with you, as we just mentioned, with uh, you know, with with Tank, he's gonna have to fight someone that has really really good footwork knows how to pick his shots, phenomenal speed. You understand what I'm saying? As someone who know, who's very accurate with his shots and who has phenomenal ring generalship. You know what I mean? His ring generalship is, is you know, second to none. But on the flip side, Lomachenko is going to fight something in tank that you can't say that he's never really seen before, not, except maybe the youth and the punching power. You know what I mean? That's really about it. Yeah, man. You got to agree with Jules here. I mean, it's it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, he may even have more pro, but when you're talking about, especially when you've gone far into the amateurs, of course, I'm sure Javante has amateur experience, but to go to the Olympics and win, I mean, that really says as far as the fundamentals go, you're in there and you're the man. 
because when you talk about other fighters, obviously like Kirkland even or um, Jarrett Hurd, yeah, I mean, these guys got power, and these guys go in there, they can win. They could be champions, but it's a whole different level when you are have your fundamentals down that soundly that you're able to win amateur championships or Olympic championships. That says something far and beyond, uh, even to Floyd Mayweather because he got screwed on his gold, but still, that's what kind of caliber you're going against. And once again, listen, the reason why I'm not, I like Tank a lot. I love Tank. I, I personally think that Tank could really be the next superstar. My thing is with no boxing doubt. is that no I, don't, I don't want Tank uh, to end up like Jeff Lacey. And what I mean is that Jeff Lacey versus Calzaghe, I remember it. I picked Lacey to destroy Calzaghe. I picked Jeff Lacey to destroy Calzaghe because Lacey was that next guy. He was that next you know, uh, killer. He was killing guys, and Jeff Lacey looked apart, right? And what happened when Calzaghe stepped in the ring with Lacey? He gave Lacey a boxing lesson that was so bad. Like, I, in my opinion, I thought Lacey never recovered from that. And I don't want that to be Tank. I don't want Tank to get there, getting there rushed because, you know, people are demanding to see that fight, and he gets boxed so bad that mentally he's never able to come from that. You know, if you really think about it, Jeff Lacey, I mean, can you guys remember, like, after Calzaghe, who Jeff Lacey fought? Like, you, you, you know what I'm saying? You can't. Because when you have a guy who is so skilled and you're not ready, that shit can ruin your career. Excuse my language. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, mean I understand. But who... Who's the you know? I understand what you're saying, but as far as amateur boxers go, who has the best amateur boxing record? Do you know? It's probably Lomachenko. I mean, no, Golovkin's me. up there. Uh, Golovkin's up there. I mean, Golovkin's lost maybe like one fight. Oh, um, actually, I, no, I think it's Rigandow. I think it's Rigandow, right? It's not. It's a guy named Donald. It's not. It's a guy named Donald Curry. Who's Donald Curry? Anybody know? My point exactly. So you're talking about amateur boxers (laughs) here. I'm throwing that out the window. Let's see what you can okay, do when but, you're a professional. But hang on. You're, you're taking just amateur boxing. The, the thing is, is sometimes amateur don't translate well to pro. But guys like Lomachenko oh, okay. have already proven that they, they can do both worlds. When they can do both worlds, that's dangerous. I mean, that's that's going to be top pound for pound. And Including also, Rigondeaux, Rob, Mayweather, all these guys. That, and also, Donald Curry lost to Michael Nunn and Terry Norris, guys, who, and Mike McCollum, like guys who are no slouch at all. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. those are some hard-hitting guys uh, back in the day. So, okay. you know, and also guys who, you know, uh, 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 you know have, that, um, have that pedigree as well. But, um, I mean, you know, once again, as I'm saying, I'm not saying that Tank – can't fight Lomachenko. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that right now, like, I wouldn't want to see it. Only for the fact that, in my opinion, there's still holes in Tank's game that needs to be, it, it needs to be, you know, tested against, like, really, really good, 
solid fighters like Amadez or like a Santa Cruz who can really test him to say, okay, you know what? It's, it's time for Tank to be challenged. Exactly. I mean, if he can make Rigandau quit and Rigandau frustrated, that speaks highly upon his skills. You can you could talk all that crap about he weighed more, that's fine. But when it came down to skills, there was no no promising anything except that Lomachenko was superior as far as that's concerned. I'm not going to argue with you on Rigandau. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you on Rigandau. Although it was two weight classes, although it was two weight classes, you know, behind, and he probably shouldn't have took that fight at that weight. He probably should have fought a catch weight. Um, but I'm one to say that weight doesn't matter. Hey, so hey, I'm hey, not gonna argue, listen, I'm, I'm going to say argue this right you. now. The weight had no issue whatsoever. Rigandau's been dropped before multiple times. By lesser punches than Lomachenko. Lomachenko's weight, he didn't. He, he had nothing to do with. No, I mean to you, but he did look like a micro machine against like a, a Hot Wheel car. You know, in my opinion, that's what it looked <laughs> like right there. But but the weight had okay. nothing to do with it. You know, it didn't. I. I'm going to have to disagree a little bit. We didn't make him quit. Go ahead, bro. Uh, I mean, I I, kind of agree with you guys on the weight not having to be a factor with the Rigonda fight. But when you have a guy with the skill of Lomachenko, and on that you add the weight advantage, that's that's like, you know, that's like a little extra to it. But um, in terms of skills, I think, um, Lomachenko kind of frustrated Rigondeaux, and he never saw something like this, not even in the amateurs with the 400-something fights that he had, and he could he, they didn't know what to do with it. So they come up with the excuse with the um, the hand being hurt and all of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, I mean, obviously he went to, like, the hospital afterwards. There, there was no injury, I mean. No, he no, just didn't want to back out of a fight for no reason. I mean, yeah. get a save face. I, I understand that definitely. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with uh, Jewel. I don't think Javante is ready, um, but we definitely got to move on. Can't talk about uh, Tank all night. Uh, Jamal <laughs> Charlo. Well, I mean, I'm sure you could, but we, we can't. You know, we got other <laughs> stuff we got to do with Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamal Charlo, Hugo uh, Santino. I-, I was surprised with how quickly it happened. I thought it was inevitable. Don't get me wrong. I, I would have picked Charlo and-, and put all my money on Charlo, but it was it was definitely better with how fast it happened. I didn't expect it. Um, are you guys one impressed or not? And also, do you think he's ready for Golovkin? Who he called out? after knocking out Santino. I'm going to take this one first, guys. Um, Lucas, to your point, I'm extremely impressed with Charlo. I'm actually impressed with both Charlo brothers. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's time. It, it, it's getting to the point where now, granted, I love these highlight real knockouts, but after a while, it's like, you know what, okay. You know, it, it's time for these guys to get to get tested. They deserve to be 
um, yes. you know, with, with, with the with the better fighters like the Triple G, uh, Canelo's, and, and even Danny Jacobs. You know, we, we it's kind of like we forgot about Danny Jacobs, but you know, even Danny Jacobs. You know what I mean? It, it's time for these yes. guys to really prove. You know what I mean? That they deserve to be considered pound for pound uh, the type fighters in their division. So I, I want Charlo to fight. You know, Triple G. Especially I'm hearing that. You know, Triple G is saying, you know, we'll see about the rematch with uh, Canelo in September, even though I think he's full of it. I think he's going to do it because the money's right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think it's time. I think that, the Char- you know, the Charlo brothers deserve a big fight, and I think that they should definitely get the winner of, um, you know, Triple G versus Canelo. Or, or um, you know, I would to actually see them with Billy Joe Saunders. But a lot of people have been forgetting about Billy Joe Saunders after that uh, boxing lesson he gave to David Lemieux. And I would love to see the Charlotte Brothers versus uh, Billy Joe Saunders. I think it's time, you know, for, for – I think we need to have that that uh, middleweight uh, tournament, you know, that middleweight, um, you know, all the fights like we used to see with Hagler, Duran, and Lennon and Hearns. I think it's time for us to have that now in the middleweight division. I, I'm going to say something, and uh might surprise all you guys, but uh, Golovkin should stay far, far away from Jamal Charlo. Yes. Got a three-and-a-half reach advantage. Tall guy. I don't know if he can get on the inside to even land. I mean, Jamal Charlo is very dangerous. and Yeah, uh, he is. Probably yes. going to end up being the the 160-pound man. I mean, I, I don't see anyone else beating him right now. I'm I'm just being honest. I of course I, I love Golovkin and Canelo's no slouch, but when it comes down to it, he can eat all the steaks he wants. I don't think <laughs> he still can mess with Charlie. <laughs> um I'm 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 gonna agree with you guys right here. I I think Charlie's ready for the big boys. And I I agree with you. I, I think Golovkin should stay away from him. And I would like to see Charlo um, kind of fight his way up. But I think if somebody's going to be the next campaign after Golovkin, it will be Charlo at 160. And and I know there's like, you know, it's, it's not, you have Saunders, you have uh, Danny Jacobs. Um, you have some solid competition at 160, but this guy is, he's he's like the complete package, and he's still... He's still learning. He's still picking up on new things, and you know he's he's about to pick his um like he's he's about to be at his prime right now, and he's gonna be true. I want six. Probably quite on this one, buddy. Because um I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think Charlo is next Floyd Mayweather. Okay. <laughs> oh Jesus, who's not the next Floyd Mayweather? <laughs> I think Charlo is the next Floyd Mayweather. Okay, listen, you're absolutely right, but Golovkin shouldn't stay away from him. He is staying away from him. Twenty, twenty-seven fights, twenty-one knockouts, and all this guy does is win, and he does what he's supposed to do. Uh, you take a guy coming in like J-Rock, Julian Williams. He's supposed to be a top prospect, tough guy, knocking people out. All Charlo did was just dismantle this kid, you know, with one punch. So, absolutely, but Golovkin shouldn't stay away from Charlo. He is. That's no question. I do think that his next best thing is to um, stop calling out guys like Golovkin and go ahead and make things happen with Danny Jacobs. 
that's the next fight for him. I think that fight mirrors Kid kind of at where he's at in his career, Kid Chocolate versus Danny Jacobs. You know, it, it's kind of up to that point to where it's a big fight, two guys, two tough guys coming up around the same weight class, around the same weight. I think that fight needs to happen next, if anything. Um, as far as Golovkin goes, I think that it will happen, especially considering how things are going with Canelo. If um, Canelo doesn't try to sign on the dotted line first, because I can definitely see Canelo trying to um, go behind Triple G's back and signing that fight first because he probably thinks he can beat Charlo. And that would be his coming out fight right there. I think Charlo against Canelo first would be um, well, Danny Jacobs and then Canelo. I think he beats Jacobs. I think he can take Canelo and um, go ahead and fight and, and beat Canelo. And I think he can beat Canelo fairly easy. Uh, I, I agree with you on that. I think he'll beat Canelo, but I don't know about Canelo um, taking a fight with Charlo. I don't know about that. Uh, Canelo is probably going to fight some B-class fighter if he's going to need somebody like a tuna fight. But um, I I doubt it. You know, he's going to come up and fight Charlo. Yeah, it, it, you have to understand, the Charlo brothers are very, very, very high risk. And yes, and low reward. Low reward, yeah. I mean, and that's no disrespect <laughs> to the Charlo brothers. I enjoy them very much, but that is a very, very high risk fight. And, you know, Canelo, you know, Javier, as you said, Canelo wouldn't fight those guys because, listen, Canelo is, um, you know, even with the whole Mexican beef thing, you know, he's still, you know, Mexican's top draw, and he's still one of the top draws in boxing. Um, right. So so with the Charlo brothers, you know, I, I it, it's going to be tough for those guys to get a fight with, you know, guys like uh, guys like Canelo and things of that nature. I think they, they're going to have to take the approach that they're doing now, just clean out the division. And that's what they're doing. That's why, that's why I have respect for those guys. They are cleaning out the division to the point it's like, you know what, the, the Canelo or Triple G, they're going to have no choice but to fight these guys. You know what I'm right. saying? And that's what you have to do. It, it, it gets to the point where, you know, in boxing, obviously you can talk up a fight. You can talk and talk and talk and talk until people say, listen, we want to fight you. Or you just, you know, clean everybody out to the point where it's like, listen, there's nobody else to fight, so you have to fight me. You know what I mean? Right. And that's what, what's going to happen. I think that my thing is I, I don't want it to be where they're cleaning up the division or they're fighting these tough fights like, you know, okay, well, you got to fight Danny Jacobs because technically speaking, Triple G can say, well, listen, you got to fight Danny Jacobs. I fought Danny Jacobs, so you got to fight Danny Jacobs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, right. you know, you got to fight Billy Joe Saunders. And then you can get a shot at me, and then these guys get burned out, and then Triple G says, you know what, I'm going to retire or something like that. So I, I would hope that these guys do get the opportunity to do it before they clean out the division and have these tough fights. Yeah, but listen, and you heard it here first. Canelo is not going to be able to negotiate a fight with Triple G the way he wants to in September immediately. And if that happens, his best bet is to go after a guy like Charlo because Golden Boy is going to think he can win that fight. Who has Charlo fought and beaten to prove that he can that he can compete at that level? So it's not to them on paper. It's not that that um, it's not that risky of a fight because Charlo hasn't beaten anybody to to say that he's that dangerous at that level. You well, know listen, they haven't even fought they haven't even fought Laura yet. 
They haven't let me fight Laura yet. In my opinion, if you want to say you're the best in that division, you need to fight and beat Laura. You need to fight and beat Hurd. That's cleaning out the division. So you're at this point in your career, they should have already done cleaned out the, the division already. But instead, they're taking these fights against these guys that they're obviously better at. Yeah, but, I mean, let's be honest, uh, Rob. You know, do we really think right now that, you know, the Charlo brothers would have a problem with Laura or possibly a problem with her? I mean, it, yes. granted, yes. I don't, I don't, I don't think that, I, I don't think that it would be an easy fight. But I mean, if you, Rob, if you want to take right now, who would win between Hurd or Charlo? Who, who would you, who would you pick? Or, or Lara? Who, who would you pick? Because. And the thing with that is just what you were talking about. The level of competition hasn't been there. So if they haven't seen the Herds and the Laras, instead they fight the Austin Trouts. Let's be honest, Austin Trout has had his time, and he's done with that. So if they fight these Austin Trouts, and um, the last, this last guy that he fought and knock him out and get him out of there, Erickson Lubin, who, who was an unknown prospect at that time, and they don't take on the Lars, and they don't take on the Jared Hurds, and they don't take on, you know, the Danny Jacobs, then, then absolutely those guys pose a threat to them because, because they competition-wise, they're not up there yet. Okay. Okay, I can actually, I, I can get with that. I can get with that, Rob. I mean, that's my point. Is is Charlo? You do have some validity out. there. I mean, they haven't beat you know a big name or anybody with uh, you know a valid scary record yet. I mean, that's my thing. Charlo calls him out right after he beat J Rock, you know, and that's a top prospect. But he didn't face Laura right after that. Um, Herd is on the scene now. They haven't fought Herd and beat him on the scene. Instead, he wants to call him out after this knockout victory against the guy not even near that level. You but know? at the same time, so, wasn't it that uh, Charlo Brothers and Lara, weren't they teammates for a while? Like, weren't they all being trained by Ronnie Shields at, at, at one you, time? You you are correct. You are correct. But so I, I, even I, so. I, I think that's actually the reason why, like, we haven't seen that fight with, with Charlo and Lara because they they they've been in the same staple for for a while. As a matter of fact, because I remember when uh, Lara was fighting Canelo, and Showtime was starting to do the behind the scenes and their their all access that I Charlo we saw Char- there, the Charlo yeah. brothers, yeah, the Charlo mm-hmm. brothers in camp. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't I I don't think it's the Charlo brothers didn't want to fight Lara. I just think that you know they've been teammates for so long, you know what I mean. And I feel like if the money's not right, you know what I mean, why would they break that? But you know who knows? I, I'm just speculating. Mm-hmm. Regardless, uh, you know Jamal Charlo is going to be a dangerous fight. Um, you guys were saying high risk, low reward. Uh, but now let's move on to last weekend's main event, Adrian Bonner versus Jesse Vargas. Oh, guys, where do we start? Right. Exactly. In, in here, my, uh, here we go with this one. 
in my eyes, Jesse Vargas punched himself out by round six. He lost a lot of steam on his punches and ended up costing himself the fight. But I could say the same about Bronner. He kind of cost himself the fight. He's not fighting the way he should. Obviously, he can land combinations. Seemingly, it will when he wants to let his damn hands go. Uh, Guys, give me your honest opinion of the fight and who won. Personally, I had Vargas up, barely, but he was up. Um, I had a draw. I, I I thought the draw was fine. I um, and I wasn't. I felt draw, but yeah, I I feel like what you said, Lucas. I did feel that Vargas, um, you know, tied himself out by maybe the sixth, seventh round. But I will also say this: uh, Adrian Broner and I was talking smack about last week how he's not, um, you know, how he fights in spurts and how he wasn't active, but he was active as hell. <laughs> in, in, in that fight, he was. I mean, he was, he, was, he, was, he was more active he was than we're used to him for seeing. Thirty seconds in every round, right? As opposed to against Sean Porter when he was, you know, active for what uh, thirty seconds and eleven rounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I like we didn't see anything from him until the twelfth round, and that was always that was my complaint. That was my complaint about it. And he was, you know, he was much more active than what he was. My only gripe was, in my opinion, he should have finished Jesse Vargas. I'm going to be honest with you. He should have finished Vargas because Vargas didn't look like a fighter. And I'm not saying Vargas not tough. That's not what I'm saying. But Vargas looked really, really spent. He really looked spent, especially going to that 11th, 12th round. The championship rounds, I mean, he fought his ass off and he fought to survive. But I, I felt like if Broner would have picked it up and had more of a killer instinct, he should have went after Vargas. I, I agree. Uh, I think there was a couple of times that Broner could even have had Vargas out of there. He was tired and, and hurt several times. Um, and he didn't. And that's part of the reason that uh, I, I believe he should have lost. I mean, he, he's not fighting with that killer instinct anymore. He doesn't – he's not even Adrian Bronner anymore, okay? The Adrian Bronner that won those uh, championships in four different weight divisions, he doesn't fight anything like him anymore. You know what he's doing is he's almost trying to just skate by on his God-given talent instead of actually training and using game plans. He, he's reminding me – of Mike Tyson after he went to jail, he's thinking he can just walk people down. You know, he's Broner's gave up, and I, I said this during the fight to you guys. He's given up the shoulder roll. Broner had a good shoulder roll defense. He had a good shoulder roll defense. He was a counter puncher, and he did that very well. Three weight divisions. I'm going to say quite easily. Yes, he's had some tough fights. As Ponce de Leon and stuff like that. Um, but he, regardless, he gave up the shoulder roll. Yes, I, I gave him crap for trying to emulate uh, Floyd Mayweather. and but, but he already won three weight divisions. You don't give up that up. Now he's not even doing a peekaboo defense. All he really does is have his hands up, and he's trying to be first. If you're going to throw limited punches and be accurate, which he still did, 
I would say he was accurate, um, and he did throw with some, some heavy hands. Do so, but also be defensive, not be getting hit. I don't understand where, where the shoulder roll defense go. Um, and to me, if Bronner took himself seriously, he could still be at the top of the sport. Bronner should have won that fight. Bronner was clearly the more talented person. He just didn't want it more. Bottom line. All right, Javier, you're up next because I'm about to offend people. So go ahead, Javier. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the Bronner Vargas right now? <laughs> yes, sir. He's, I uh, guess he's throwing you under the bus there, Javier. Yeah, I know. I guess he wanted me to go first before he go and close the show. <laughs> uh, well, I I I think Broner uh, lost the fight by one point. I gave it to Vargas. I I could see how it was a close fight, but I think I think Broner takes too long in the the beginning of the rounds uh, to start adjusting. I guess because. He, he could he could do way more if he start uh, pressing the action from the first or second round. Let's say he needs the first round to fill up, but from the second round he could throw more punches. He could he could have these wins, and you know, he could if he he can get his men out of there early, then you know you could win the decision decisively. But when he decides not to throw a lot of punches, and the other guy is coming up, so it kind of gives it like you know like he 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 lets people work on him like. Vargas kind of outworking at times. That's what I felt like I, I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas, go ahead and um, set the disclaimer real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I assume he means that his uh, views are not heavy bag boxing views. So please don't sue me, sue Robert Alexander. Go ahead, Robert. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, don't Thank don't you, don't Lucas. don't sue Heavy Bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, don't sue Heavy Bag you, boxing, Lucas. please. Go thank ahead, you. Rob. Okay, but, but still, kind of keep it with you know sense of respect. Oh, uh, um, I feel you. Uh, I appreciate you saying that. Okay. With that being said, um, guys. Adrian Broner fights like a fat kid in junior high with severe asthma, okay? <laughs> until, oh he gets, until he gets that inhaler in him, okay? He, that's how he fights, just like that, windy, okay, Through, from the first round on. And it, and it didn't make sense at the end of the fight when Jim Gray asked him what happened in the earlier rounds oh, well, I got warmed up, okay? Shouldn't you already be warmed up being that you're in a a main event fight for your life, for your career (laughs) here? Shouldn't you already be warmed up coming into the fight? You should have already done that. So everything that you're saying about Bruner is correct. You know, but you could tell just by listening to the corner and what Kevin Cunningham was saying in between rounds. You got to let your hands go more. Why are you not getting off your shots first? And then he even flat out asked him, are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you in condition? Are you in shape? Are you ready to do this? Are you ready to handle this? 
And then going into the 12th round, I need you to act like you need a knockout to take this fight. And y'all saw the 12th round. Did he do it, Jules? Did he act like he needed the knockout in the 12th round? Uh, definitely not. As I said, Rob, he should, in exactly. my opinion, the 11th, 12th round, he should have went for, he should have tried to finish Vargas. Yeah. Exactly. And he didn't do it. He did not do it. Now, coming into the fight, I told y'all something, and we all agree I'm correct. We all said that night I was correct. If, if he throws, lets his hands go, he will win the fight. Okay? He didn't let his hands go as much as he should through the whole fight. Now, Jules, you were right. You did touch on something. He did he did let his hands go more in recent than in recent fights, but he did that in the second half in the fight, and I believe that's because Kenny, Kevin Cunningham was on his ass to do it. I believe that Cunningham got into there, got into his, his mental, made him listen to what he was saying, and, and that kind of turned around the fight for him because otherwise it was going to look like um, – Mikey Garcia, and Jesse Vargas, as we can tell that night, he's no Mikey Garcia, okay? He's a very limited fighter. After he lets his hands go and throws out that firepower in the first couple of rounds, he was done. And Kevin Cunningham knew it, and he was telling them that in the corner. Look, this guy's got nothing. He can't hurt you. He's thrown everything he has. Why are you not going out there and finishing the fight? That fight should have been over with by the eighth, ninth round. He shouldn't have even went 12 rounds with a guy like Adrian Broner. So, it's, it, all those things being said, Lucas, it's not necessarily his, um, you know, you compared him to when Mike Tyson went to jail, okay? Adrian Broner has his runnings. He has his issues, you know, behind the scenes in boxing and everything like that. But I don't believe that it's that it's really that. I believe it's just the laziness and lackadaisicalness in the ring that he won't let his hands go. He won't go up to the best of his ability. So that's why I compared him with the fat kid that has asthma. Because it's, it's what, a, happened, it's a, what happened to the shoulder roll? Kevin Cunningham got rid of it. Why? Because Broner, even when he did it, he wasn't that successful. Yeah, that would help him in a. And to me, that would help him in a different situation if he had a fighter that had superior offensive skills and he needed that to combat that. Jesse Vargas was shot by the fourth. To me, in my opinion, was shot by the fourth round, not the sixth. He was shot by the fourth round. He didn't need to show the role in this fight. All he needed to do was let his damn hands go. And when he did, he won big. When he didn't. You know, he let Jesse Vargas in the fight, and he only did that in spurts. He didn't do that anymore. I don't, I don't know, guys. Call me crazy, but I remember Broner having a pretty solid defense. And if he was actually blocking the onslaught instead of, you know, this horrible just hands-up defense that he has, which is basically no defense at all. Yeah. Uh, you it know makes what, Lucas? up for his lack of head movement because it, you, Broner's got this stiff-ass neck – and he has absolutely no head movement. And, and no feet, no footwork. To be honest, he, he no, doesn't have no footwork either. Yeah, to, right. no footwork either. To, to a certain extent, um, I mean, we had talked about this uh, last show about, you know, him getting touched up by Gavin Reese. And right. if you really think about Gavin Reese, if you think about Paulie Malinaji, 
Marcus Maidana. His defense has not been, even with that shoulder roll, he's always been able to get touched up. As a matter of fact, uh, Rob, you would love this. When they asked Floyd Mayweather Sr., and Adrian Broner was the next Floyd Mayweather Jr., and Floyd Mayweather basically said, hell no. Like, <laughs> are you crazy? He was saying how that kid gets him too much. And to a certain extent, if you really look at his losses, even his wins, he, he's gotten hit a lot. Right. Which is my point, though. But, here's but the shoulder roll defense, is... you have to admit, was still way better than just this hands up. It's not a peekaboo defense. It's it's nothing, really. Okay, so to answer your question there, though, Lucas, if you go back and run the tape, though, when the jab was coming from Jesse Vargas, there was no counter. When the punches were right, coming he wasn't from Jesse Vargas, there, style, there was no counter. He wasn't fighting his style, yeah. He was trying to lead, and in doing so, he didn't do it often enough to to try to use that style of being a leader. He was... I don't know. He was stuck somewhere in between counterpunching and leading. He didn't know what to do. But but the point I want to nail home that I'm trying to make here, guys, is his issue is like asthma. Okay, it's something that's chronic, but never that, but everlasting. He's not going to get rid of it. He'll never get rid of this style. He'll never get rid of this issue. He'll never get rid of this type of performance. It's something that'll haunt him throughout his whole career. He's never, let's face it, he's never going to be that guy, period. Okay, question all around, guys. Does Bronner win another big fight? Well, it depends on what, what you consider big. No, no, no. This is a big, big fight. Uh, I don't even know if I would consider Jesse Vargas a really big fight. It's a good yeah, Absolutely, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You would. And the way that this game is right now, the way that these young kids um, are coming up, training and everything, hell no. Hell no. Look yeah. at Tank, which was in the same training camp as him. I think Tank trains better than Adrian Broner. And Tank's only yeah. 23. Yeah, he's a younger guy, but he should be looking up to a guy like Adrian Broner, not the opposite. Adrian Broner's looking up to a guy like Tank because he doesn't have it. He will never, ever win a meaningful fight again in his career, period. All right, Jules? Oh, my gosh. Um... I said it all for you, didn't I? Yeah, you actually <laughs> did, Rob. You did. <laughs> I know it's shocking, boxing fans. I am speechless, but I don't know. I mean, I feel that, personally speaking, um, I would actually like to see a rematch between Broner versus Vargas. Um, I feel like, you know, once again, it was a draws, unfinished business. Um, and you know what? I- I'm guilty. You know, as much as I talk smack about Adrian Broner, I'm going to keep watching him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to keep watching him. Um, so, you know, I, w- I would like to see a rematch with Jesse Vargas. I feel that Bruno has some unfinished business. And I- I'm also kind of shocked that, like, a lot of fans are very, like, happy that it was a draw. That feel that, you know, Adrian Bruno redeemed himself with a draw. And um, I-, I don't think so. I don't think he really redeemed himself. I think we have – 
more questions, um, you know, about Adrian Broner. And, and, you know, once again, as I said, I wanted him to finish Vargas. I felt like after you said, like you said, Lucas, after the sixth round, he should have finished it. And, um, you know, he didn't. So I, I want to see a rematch personally. Who wouldn't mind Sir, a rematch? Jules, to, to answer the question, though, do you think he can win that rematch night? Oh, Rob. Um, you know what? I'll put it like this. You did say something that I, I will agree with. As much as I have a lot of respect for Jesse Vargas, um, he definitely is no Mikey Garcia, uh, te- technically speaking. He's no Mikey Garcia. And I feel that Adrian Broner, he needs to really listen to Ke- Kevin Cunningham in terms of letting his hands go. If he really listens to Kevin Cunningham and he really gives a damn about his career, he'll win. But as, Lucas, you made a point, he seems to be really just going through the motions. And if he's going through the motions and Jesse Vargas comes back and like, listen, I'm not going to be tired. I'm going to be in shape. He may, he'll have a problem in the second fight. Exactly. Yeah, I think Jesse exactly. Vargas has it in him to, um, to make the proper Adjust. adjustments yeah. and, and really just dog walk him the next time out. Uh, but Javier, what do you think? Yeah, I, I I don't think um, don't kill me guys, but I don't think Broner is, is is I don't think he'll win a big fight because um, he don't do well at, at 147. Uh, the skills is there, but just the power is not there. The speed is there, but I don't know his timing or maybe his 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 output is not there. And yeah, Javier, that's like, a that's a damn good point. Yeah. Yeah, and and on on top of that, it's like um. The the times when he got when when guys like um, Porter just with not not that many skills but constant pressure relentless pressure uh, it got the best of him and then you see him on the twelfth round he knocked him down with a left hook with the speed but like only he would have done that on uh, the early rounds you know what I'm saying like on top of that he's he's output is not up, up like that and then. He waits too long to warm up or like to open up or adjust to the opponent. So all of that is like plus the distraction out of the ring. So I I think Broner is is he's a great guy at 140 or less. 140 and up has been his problem. Weight is and if he cannot make the weight, he's 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 not gonna have problems. And then if he's gonna fight at 147, you guys ask like Earl Spence. You guys got like Kel Brook. I don't know he's coming back to 147. Or Keith Thurman, those guys will walk through him. Jesse yeah, Barney, Danny Garcia in the rematch. I think he'll 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 I think he'll he'll win more decisively. But I think he'll go twelve rounds too again. Okay, guys. So I think we're all in agreement, and I can say, Adrian Browner from here on out is a gatekeeper. Nothing yeah. more, nothing less. Yeah, sad to say, but yeah. I, I'm not gonna say that yet. If, if he fights, oh, if he, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not going to say that yet. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, it, I know. He, I definitely have Stockholm syndrome when it comes to Adrian Broner, um, because I've, I've written him off so many times, and I, I've written him off after the Mikey Garcia fight. Um, but you know, once again, I will say this: the draw with Jesse Vargas, it doesn't give him gatekeeper status, but it gives him. It definitely gives him you know, non-main event status. But, right. but I, I, I will right, but say you, this. Right. 
I, I will so say Joe, this. He, he's, he, ha, he has to fight Jesse Vargas again. He has to fight Jesse Joe, Vargas. And he has to beat him decisively this time. All right. Joe, Joe, wait, let me tell you something about that draw. I think the draw was like a lifeline. They gave him like another lifeline. And he knows <laughs> that another L, another L would have been um, the end of it. You know, he, he would have been really, really bad. The, they basically saved him without draw. And he knows that. And if he doesn't acknowledge that, then his next fight is going to be really bad because he should know better <laughs> by now. Javier, you are absolutely right. Jules, what is your favorite product in the world that don't exist anymore? <laughs> Hi, Jules, can you think of one? Uh, well, I'm trying to think. I, oh, I used to love this body wash by Old Spice uh, <laughs> called Mountain Fresh. And uh, they don't sell the that anymore, to Jules. That, they don't. They don't sell that anymore, Jules. You have to let it go. That's Adrian Broner right there. They don't sell him no more. He's not. <laughs> still, he's not. They still got old he's not body wash. Just not that. Just not that. Just not that. <laughs> not that yeah, I mean, there's gonna be more Adrian Broners for you out there to root on. <laughs> just not this Adrian Broner, okay? <laughs> That's funny. I also think Adrian Broner was brought along too quick. He moved along too fast. He should have taken his weight division slower. Um, he should they have stayed get, at the lower weights for longer. They said something crazy um, about that. He can yes. get back down to one thirty-five, Lucas. But even yes. then, I don't see him. I don't see him winning a mineral, uh, 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 big fight at one thirty-five. Even I don't see it. Man, he he jumped one forty and fought at one forty-seven. I mean, that wasn't a smart move. Yeah, he, yes, he beat Malinaji barely. But that was a career ruiner. I mean, to me, four weight divisions. You talk about that alone. That that's that's Hall of Fame material right there. Yeah, and Maidana really was put him a on great his ass. Fighter. That's what's sad. Like you, you see his career. You see his talent. He had bad advisors. He should not have done what he did. If he went through those four weight divisions slower, drew him out, like others have had done in their career. Maybe even try to unify and and completely be undisputed in one of them, which probably would have been possible. Um, sky's the limit, but he did not do that, and uh, because of that, his career is suffering horribly. Um, this weekend, we do have some good fights on ESPN. Of course, you got Jesse Magdaleno, Brian Jennings, uh, Jesse Hart on separate fights. Not to mention uh, Olympic. American standout Shakur Stevenson. And then, of course, that's just on ESPN. Then you have HBO, Daniel Jacobs taking on uh, Solchecki or Solecki. I don't know how you said that guy's last name. Solecki. Jarrell Big Baby Miller, um, also in another fight. Katie Taylor. Um, yes. Actually, in a unification fight, WBA and the IBF women's lightweight title will be on the line. Uh, we were going to go over some predictions, but uh, got a little bit too into the conversation that we had at hand, so our hour is up. Check us again next Tuesday. I uh, hope you enjoyed Tough Talk, and we will be back next week. <laughs>